Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, entering our second decade as the number one Irish tech podcast with the latest in tech from around Ireland and, of course, around the world. Uh, we're on air with RT as well and online via your favourite podcasting app, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or TuneIn, whatever it is you use. Uh, we also keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Very shortly, we'll be hearing about people who are making cinema standard movies using just their phone. But first, to mourn the passing of a much-loved piece of software, here is our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson. That's that's a good way to start, much mourned, because I think you will agree with me when I say there was nothing wrong with Windows 7. There was nothing wrong with Windows XP. Yes, I was I was thinking that as well. Um, we, we had this period where Windows XP, everybody was very happy with. Windows Vista came out, everyone was oh, um, just oh, lost their mind. Oh, oh don't remind me! <laughs> Windows 7 came out, everyone was delighted. Windows 8 and 8.1 came out, <laughs> everybody lost their mind. Uh, and now Windows 10 is out, and yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think we all like it. I don't know anyone with a bad word to say about it as such. I mean, even the the antivirus on it, the native antivirus, Windows Defender, has got much, much, much better. Um, well, once you have a Windows Defender and a malware program running side by side, you you are well protected. Can I but, just prove to everybody who's listening? Yeah. How successful Windows Ten is? Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. I know what say it anyway. So, Niall, you're a Mac man. Uh, you've been Macintosh since you were born. <clears throat> what 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 <laughs> OS system is on your computer today? Uh, it is uh, Windows 10. Shock horror. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have two machines. I, uh, I work with one. <laughs> I work with one, and it's Mac OS. And okay. I work with the other, and it's Windows 10. Okay, fair enough. So listen, how did you get on with setting up your Windows 10 machine? Because you had you had trouble this week. I had a devil of a time. Okay, so I had one machine that ran Windows 10 uh, natively. That's fine. Uh, I had another that ran Windows 7 and it was time to do the upgrade. Mm. So uh, you've got a little tip and trick uh, about upgrading, which we'll, we'll talk about later. But mm. basically, uh, I had my Windows 7 laptop. I installed uh, the install tool uh, for Windows 10. Uh, checked all the system requirements beforehand that everything was was cool. Um, this was about a nine or ten year old laptop. Set it to install. Uh, walked away. Came back periodically. Yes, everything is installing. Just give us a few minutes. We need to update a few things. And then the install fell over, <gasps> and it fell over twice. And eventually, I got an error message saying my graphics card wasn't up to it. So I was like, okay. So now I definitely have to buy a new laptop. Uh, to run Windows 10. Uh, it's not cool, not cool, uh, but went out and did it anyway. Um, came with, with Windows 10 installed, that's fine. Um, an AMD uh, laptop, which is my, my first, um, which uh, was quite, I don't want to say it's interesting, it just is. Uh, and then I went to hook up my external monitor uh, to it. Uh, there's uh, only one input really uh, for monitors, and that's HDMI. So, uh, well, there's USB-C, but that, that, that's a different story. So plugged in my HDMI, uh, second monitor, just pixelated, stretched, generally unusable, 
what the hell is going on here? Uh, and and lo, did my begin did I begin my odyssey to get my external monitor, which worked just fine with Windows Seven, working on Windows Ten. So you've a basic monitor that's worked for for donkey's years for you, and it's a flat LED or LCC, uh, LCD screen. How old is the monitor? Uh, uh, it's about nine years old as well. Nine, okay, it's so a, it's an oldish one, but it should still work. Oldish. They're, they're only monitors. Perfect um, working order. And then you bought a brand new laptop with Windows 10 yep. on it. Yep. You plug in with the HDMI and merd is what you get. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolute rubbish. Uh, so this sent me on a, okay, let's have a look at the driver. Is that okay? Let's have, let's get a, a monitor specific driver. Mm. Okay. Install that. No dice, no use whatsoever. Turned out that the driver hadn't been updated in six years. So, uh, that was not nice to find out. Also, when it comes to drivers, um, monitor drivers in general, yes, you can get specific drivers, but the way that Windows is set up with plug and play, you don't really need monitor specific drivers anymore. Mm. Um, so that was an interesting learning. Um, Graphics, uh, perfectly fine. Uh, went into display. It was locked on 640 times 480. No chance, no way of changing the resolution on it, which would have solved all my problems. So uh, I, I had to go back to, I, I did back and forth on so many forums because this is a problem people have had through mm. the ages, apparently, with various degree of fixes. So uh, at, at the sort of the basic side, it was turn your monitor off and on. Uh, at the complicated side, it was rip out your monitor driver, <laughs> install a new one, rip out your AMD Ryzen uh, drivers, reinstall, uh, reinstall Windows 10. I'm like, I'm not doing <sighs> any of this. This is a load of nonsense. So that's, that's the worst when you have a problem with your computer and then you get into the message boards with people making suggestions. It's like it's a minefield. Anyway, eventually what happened? Eventually what happened? OK, um, I decided I would not use the HDMI port. However, I would use a HDMI adapter on a DVI cable. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, it works. It works perfectly. All the resolutions are available. Um, so perhaps it's just the HDMI port on my um, monitor is just, you know, it's borked. It's seen better days. Uh, but the other, the DVI uh Port, absolutely fine. I now have a working monitor. I'm free to start bonding properly with Windows 10 in my home office. Isn't oh, that a great story? That is a good story. And I always love these kind of man versus machine. Uh, and, and I go through it regularly <laughs> trying to fix these darn things. And the sense of achievement that you have when you eventually figure the darn thing out and fix it. You feel like dancing on the darn computer and going, I told you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, as I, as I said to Mrs. Kitson, I said, you know, this is my white whale. I will not rest until this thing is fixed. Uh, and, you know, I, I was on the verge of cracking things open, you know, just, well, just to see how fans are doing yeah, and all that. Yeah, everybody's talking about it. I, I walked into, I had to collect something from a, a computer store this morning and at the repair desk there. I, now, I didn't listen in, but all I could hear was, yeah, 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 Windows 7, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, crikey. Uh, and then my go. brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, who's not a tech head, okay, uh, he just, he had a Facebook account hacked or whatever, like, you know, and then his wife is going, I wonder if it's because he's running Windows 7. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go. Yeah. But here's a question for you, all right? Okay. Um, Windows 7 came to us in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we had it for about uh, 13 years, up to up to now, all right? That means that possibly we'd be looking at a new version of Windows in 13 years' time. So Windows 10 was launched in, what was it, 2014, 2015, I think. 
you are incorrect in that assumption. Go on. Uh, there is no such thing as Windows 11, Windows 12, whatever. It is just Windows 10 for the moment. Do you know what? They'll probably drop the 10 at some stage. Well, that's, just what, that's what I'm wondering, because if, yeah. if it follows that 14 year life cycle, well, then Windows 10 will, will leave us in 2028. So yeah. I'm wondering, will they go to Windows 11? Will they just drop nope. the numbering and will it just be called Windows it's just going to be called Windows and they're moving from, you know, giant mm. update schedules where you mm. wait months and then they release everything to rolling updates. So, you know, sometimes you're, oh. you're powering off your machine at night and it'll say, oh, some updates to install and you got to walk away uh, before your machine, whatever. Mm. Uh, that's the wave of the future. That's what's going to happen. So if there's a security breach or a feature goes wrong or something uh, doesn't work out in the wild, fixes will be released just as part of a normal mm. kind of update cadence. So it's it's not Windows as an OS, it's Windows as an ecosystem. I saw it described as that and I, that's pretty much bang on. Well, I think if you are running Windows at the moment, if you're running Windows 7 at the moment, there is just no escaping it. You're going to have to upgrade at some stage. And and the reason I say that is because the nag prompts will drive you insane. Uh, We've got a number of Windows 7 computers here in uh, our studios. And uh, already you're kind of getting messages up about Windows 10 Professional, blah, 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 blah. Uh, even when I start Word, it's kind of going, whoa, you're running Word on Windows 7? Are you crazy? Or words to that effect. Um, and that will eventually just drive you uh, completely nuts. If you want to upgrade, um, the, the rest of the world did this in like kind of 2015, 2016, where there was a free upgrade for, uh, for Microsoft. But here is a little known fact for people who are in the know. And we are, okay. all, in the, we are all in the know now. Is that we free upgrade is still free. It's still free. It's still you know free. To look They've for kind it. of like offici- officially just kind of gone, no, nope, that's it, you know, kind of the, the free upgrade is, uh, is gone, forget it, you're just going to have to go about and pay for it and then install it. But then when you, you use the installer, okay, you download the, the Windows 10 install tool, uh, you can select upgrade. Yep, and, absolutely And you can. just go through the process and it replaces your Windows 7 with Windows 10, gives you a mm. license code. Bada boom, bada bing. There you go. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Two, two little points on that, however. If you have Windows 7 Home, you can only get Windows 10 Home. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if you had Windows 7 Pro, you can only get Windows 10 Pro. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll be mapping one-to-one. Also, some features uh, in those update versions, uh, they're, they're not fully featured. So I don't think uh, Cortana in its best form is, is in there at the moment. But, you know, I mean, these things will write themselves over time. So, yes, the install tool is still there absolutely that's that's the best way to go save yourself 140 euro uh and i guess i guess you'll have to make the move there we go two two happy two 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 stories with happy endings in a row i like that Mm. what a way to start off 2020 thanks very much as always (laughs) this is tech central your weekly tech podcast from ireland's techcentral.ie now, we're used to hearing about how impressed photographers are with the latest smartphone cameras, but we rarely hear the same kind of enthusiasm from the entertainment and the cinema industry. Uh, however, there are films like Tangerine, Unsane, and Steven Soderbergh's latest high-flying bird that have shown what can be done with smartphones. So, is it time that we all started thinking of ourselves as potential cinematographers. Uh, Director of the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival, Robert Fitzhugh, thinks so, and he sat down with Niall Kitson to outline his vision of the future of movies. So, Robert, tell us a little bit about the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival, because I gather this is the third year of it. 
Indeed. So the festival is now in its third year. It takes place in January uh, of every, of each year. Um, so the first place in the Teeling Whiskey Distillery there in Newmarket in Dublin is from all over the world. Uh, how it came about, I suppose, was um, a couple of years ago. I have a filmmaking background myself, and a couple of years ago, uh, I also have a background originally. That's where my festival management was my original uh, background many, many moons ago. And I had wanted to set up a, a film festival, but the market had become quite saturated, and I couldn't come up with something that was kind of individual and unique. Um, and at the same time, I was filmmaking and I was in college studying film and uh, I wanted to, I found the whole filming, uh, no budgets for films or anything like that. And I found shooting on DSLRs and, the, and that whole process to be very time. So I found I naturally on my phone and um, because it was, you were able to kind of instill the workflow, you're able to write, shoot, edit, market score, you know, distribute all one device. Um, so I found myself using my phone more because it was a tool that I, 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 I had a really good understanding of. It was day-to-day -day use. And I was able to kind of, um, uh, everything just seemed a lot easier, a lot quicker on it. And um, so I started shooting uh, films on that and submitting those films to film festivals. And, and then kind of the two ideas drifted together. And I decided I would set up the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival as a way to kind of showcase kind of the best and brightest of what people were doing on their phones. And when you started submitting your own films, uh, did, you know, shot on smartphone become a selling point or, or did people actually notice the quality or any difference? Did, peop well, did people uh, initially have to make allowances or was it just accepted? Actually, this is just a, a really good film or a good story. It's, so it's a funny debate. So, so initially when I started submitting films, the films I had made on phones, I was submitting them to smartphone festivals uh, specifically. Um, and I realized that there wasn't a whole heap of them out there at the time. There's plenty more now, but at the time it, there wasn't a whole heap. So I kind of devised that maybe there was a, a whole kind of um, group of people out there, filmmakers out there who were using their phones who might necessarily have a place to show them. To answer your question, to be honest with you, uh, an audience generally wouldn't know. And, and really, that's what you're making your film for. As a filmmaker, I think sometimes people forget that you're not making your film for other filmmakers. You're making your film for an audience. And really, as long as you have a good story and good audio, your audience know what it's filmed on. And I think there's a disconnect at the moment in the sense that there's an, there, there, it's changing. Now, when I started this a couple of years back, it was, it, I was very niche in the sense that people would, you and you would say, oh, well, you know, it's great. You're to practice, but I'm trying to do air quotes here, as, as people would often say to me, but it, story is really good. Your audience isn't really going to know. Um, uh, other filmmakers might know, um, uh, but again, that's not who your, 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 your target audience should dump. Bad audio, you can't get away. Say you, you can get away with poor visuals, but you can't get away with poor audio because poor audio will pull the audience directly out of whatever they're watching. If you've got kind of dodgy visuals or, or it didn't set off as a narrative choice and you can say, oh, you know, the reason the screen is pitch black is it's a reflection of my character's, you know, state of mind at the moment. But, uh, you know, it's, it's so in terms of, of what stuff is shot on, I, for me personally, I don't think it really matters as long as your story is engaging. From a filmmaking perspective, using a phone as a filmmaking device, you can leverage that as a way to get notice and you can use it as a selling point for your film to say, hey, it's been shot on a phone. Um, and that is a way to kind of get people's interest. But from an audience perspective, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, that idea of uh, having good audio when you're in an age that, you know, constantly 
cameras are talked about as as the selling point. <laughs> you you don't get manufacturers going a kick out of talking to people on your phone. You know, it, just it is funny, and and it is and, and audio. I know for me, audio, audio is one thing I've I've always really struggled with. But there was always somebody who specialized in audio, and they were always someone you leaned on. In terms of the camera stuff, it's funny when I remember specifically when I was studying film that I used to, I always refer to it as an equipment arms race where where people were so obsessed over the story was and i distinctly remember when i started out i saved up all my money to buy a, a canon camera i can't remember which one it was and i thought my film's gonna be amazing i have this great camera and then someone walked in and they had a camera that was twice as expensive as mine and my head dropped because i thought oh you know unless i'm shooting a film won't be very good and you were completely in the world and you could just have really polished looking but not a not a very engaging film so i mean it's 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 funny and then when you switch to shooting on your phone First of all, the reason I love it, I love the, the reason I love when people take it up and, and we do a bit of teaching for the festival is because it sort of demystifies the whole process. And you might have somebody who has a really good idea for a film, but doesn't really know how to go about doing it. And if you put a camera in front of them, they might say, oh, you know, it's a barrier to creativity. But with a phone, they use it every day. They have a, a really good concept of, of how it works. And they're more likely to want to try and figure out how to shoot a film on it because it's a device that they interact with on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think the fact that just having something that people are that familiar with, uh, it does take away the, oh, now you have to learn something else because software, uh, especially for, for smartphones, is designed to be intuitive. It's designed for people to get the most out of uh, uh, out of their camera. Whereas when you pick up something, you know, a, a physical device like a DSLR, you've got you've got dials and buttons and ISO levels that you're not sure what they mean, but they're there and therefore important. Uh, so that it, naturally, it's not as intimidating. Again, and those those things those isos and that those dials they exist on some of the more kind of professional polished apps on your phone but again it's presented to you and i think to understand uh, if you're starting out then it is to, to, to as you said to give you a camera with all these kind of dials and things like that and it's far more approachable and if you can get somebody on board with a device that's approachable it means they're focused a little bit more on their story and it just makes the whole thing a little bit more uh, a leap that someone's willing to take and um, now i will say you like you you can you, there's a there's a, a one of the kind of pushbacks that we would have always gotten with the festival is that people would people assume that because you're shooting on a phone that there's this sort of speedy i picked up my phone i shot i didn't put much contrast between somebody who understands filmmaking and is using a phone as a filmmaking device um, and and still sort of rules and things that need to be applied and need to be kind of uh, adhered to or you need to at least understand them before you break them but um a lot of people I find uh, just really enjoy the the prospect of being able to make something um, and to be able to do it kind of, as I said, to be able to write it and shoot it and edit it all in, in, in their pocket in a single device. And it just makes it all a lot more approachable. Yeah. And you're seeing that mindset uh, more and more that it does depend on how people approach something, be it from a journalistic background to get the footage caught and then upload it to somewhere as quickly as possible or, or the family photo or the or the Skype call where it's it's going to have very little uh, enduring value. Um, the power of story, I think, really elevate, elevates what's captured on a device. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, you, you can if you can. And as some of the submissions that have come through, actually, somebody asked me a question this morning. They asked me about kind of this, the, the films that have stood out in the festival in the last couple of years. And they're always the films where somebody has, has used a device to give them access to somewhere to tell a very unique story that you wouldn't necessarily see shot on a camera. To give you an example, uh, one person shot a, a narrative film um, and part of the film was shot on a flight between um, 
the US and Cuba, and they filmed on the plane. Uh, and, mm. and, and that is something that you just couldn't do with a camera and they were able to take their phone out and they were able to kind of stick it in places and things like that to get specific angles. So it gave them access to kind of unique locations and settings that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do with a camera. Now, how long you'd be able to get away with that or doing that, uh, in a world of, of, of GDPR and things like that, who knows, but the, at the moment there's still that kind of freedom to be able to kind of do things like that. There was also a documentary that was submitted in the first year. That was very hard to watch, very harrowing. It took me three days. It was only 15 minutes long. It took me three days to watch it. Um, and it was about the, I won't get into details on it, but it was about the Korean dog meat industry. Um, right. And how they were able to do it was they were able to bring phones into the plants to show the kind of treatment of the animals and what was going on. And that, to me, was something that you I, I would never have thought I would see unless someone was able to kind of bring their, to, to kind of be able to use their phone as a, in a new location as a storytelling device. And looking at the breadth of material that's out there that you sort of raised the the uh, documentary there, um, got a, a number of awards being handed out uh, at the uh, festival. Yeah. So we do a, a best fiction, best music video documentary. Uh, there's a 360 award and um, there is, I'm missing one, uh, there's a best Irish and there's an under 16s category as well. Um, and really, uh, we kind of just, it's, it's a broad spectrum of stuff we get in, uh, the bulk of the submissions we get are fiction because there's a lot of people out there, uh, being filmmakers and want to film. And then the other side of that is documentaries and, and, and especially with kind of citizens and ju- citizen journalism and things like that, there's a really kind of uptake in, in, in the, the di- type of documentaries we're getting in. Um, in particular, we got a lot around climate change, given what's going on the last year, um, uh, particularly around, and, and there was some fascinating ones, ones about, you know, someone measuring the amount of ice that's melted outside their house over a period of time or, or things like that. So um, it's, it's a huge, broad range uh, of stuff that comes in. Sorry, I forgot. We have a best animation uh, category as well, and we do get some very unique animation, stop motion uh, films that are submitted to us. There's one filmmaker in particular uh, who I believe is from Bulgaria, if I remember, and he submits uh, mini masterpieces every year. And for a long time, they look like charcoal drawings that have come to life. And for a long mm-hmm. time, we couldn't understand how he was doing them on his phone. And then we asked them to film an acceptance, an award acceptance speech and send it to us. And he did it in the style and he showed how he did it. And basically he has like a, a stylus, like a pen. And he draws onto his phone screen uh, these kind of sketch drawings and then animates them and they they come to life. And it was just fascinating to see behind the curtain on that. Incredible. One of the sort of next frontiers, I think, for uh, creators is 360 video and VR. And you've got a specific category for that as well. So tell us a little bit about the kind of material you've been seeing in that area. It's funny that you say that I just had a I was just speaking to a 360 filmmaker today for extensively for about two hours before this call. Uh, so uh, essentially, the re- 360 is kind of funny in the sense that um, the submissions that we get for the 360 films aren't necessarily filmed on phones, but the process of viewing them is done through a mobile device, and that's kind of why we include a category because there's a there's a they're they're interesting, unique. It's at the forefront of of where kind of storytelling is going. And it's a, it's an interactive way to, for people to watch the films. And that's kind of why we include the category. To be honest with you, we don't get as much films as we like uh, in that category. For the simple being is that I, I don't know how many people are investing in that area yet. And I think that's a lot to do with audiences. If it's games and stuff like that, and you're watching on the Oculus done through the PlayStation Store, um, yes. But in terms of people kind of donating money to fiction shot in 360, 
I think it's a lot to do with your audience and how your audience is going to view it. So at the moment, the submissions we get are, are really, really interesting. The film that won last year um, was an actually filmed, it was an Irish film um, and it was filmed in Wicklow and it was in Irish and it was about a, uh, it was based on a, a kind of an old Celtic story about a wolf. Um, and that was a fascinating experience and we were able to screen it in 3D as well um, for the larger audience on the, on the big screen. But um, there's a number of kind of submissions coming through, um, but they're always kind of unique and very, very interesting viewing experiences. And that's one of the reasons we include them. So do you think the smartphone, just by virtue of its uh, size, versatility and the quality of the cameras that are being inserted, do you see it becoming uh, maybe even a weapon of choice for uh, cinematographers? Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's funny because I always laugh and I always say that sooner or later it'll, I'll be out of a job because essentially it'll just be <laughs> they'll just be cameras. Do you know what I mean? There won't be that marked difference. But I see it as a choice and I see, you, you see it yourself. A lot of mainstream filmmakers are picking up Steven Soderbergh for one um, who, 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 is, who is adopting it. I don't know if for High Flying Birds and, and Unsane, if you've seen either of those. Um, and uh, I see it as a weapon of choice because... To be honest with you, speed is a, is, a, is a huge thing, and it's also a lot to do with how audiences are consuming content. Um, and it's a lot like that old thing, digital versus film. And, and, and it, film is a superior image, but digital is faster. And I see people adopting the phones more because it allows you to um, shoot and create content quicker. You still need to plan the content you're creating, but it gives you access to be able to, to shoot and make things faster. And I see that being the reason that you're able to kind of uh, choose it as a weapon of choice. You can also view your edits there and then as you shoot, you can edit on set. There's all that sort of advantages to using it. Um, so it's, it's really time and how your audience, where your audience is reviewing it. And as you know yourself, there's such a huge um, either cry for content and there's also so much content out there that, that I think that speed is, is, is something that will inevitably play a role in, in whether people adopt it or not. And that was Robert Fitzhugh from the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival uh, chatting with Niall Kitson. For more about the event, you can visit DublinSmartphoneFilmFestival.com. Yes, I know it's long, but you remember it, don't you? DublinSmartphoneFilmFestival.com. Listen, that is it for our show for today. Don't forget, you can get the lowdown on all things tech right here in Ireland with hourly updates, there's daily newsletters as well, and more, which you can all grab at our website, techcentral.ie. Of course, listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson, thanks so much for listening as always, and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.